Hello, listeners. As you know, this is Measure of an Episode. Our continuing mission is to explore what makes a Star Trek episode a good Star Trek episode and not just good TV. (laughs) I'm Jonathan. And I'm Paul. And today we're discussing the Deep Space Nine Season 3 Episode 10 Fascination. Yes. The blurb was, the Bajoran Gratitude Festival, an annual celebration, is about to get underway and both Kira and O'Brien await the arrivals of their love. Which is, which is not what the episode is about. That's what the, that's what the cold open is about. That's, yeah, that's the cold open. I'm telling you, this, this guy did nothing but watch the, the cold opens, and he's like, all right, that's the episode. <laughs> um, but I will say, the, uh, the prophets shined on us today um, because <laughs> we, had a, we had a request from one of our listeners, Chet, to say our uh, verdict at the start of the episode. And I feel like this episode justifies doing so. I think that we can say whether or not we felt it was a Star Trek episode or not and go from there and kind of talk through the whole episode. Um, Because as cheesy as this episode was, I totally support it. It hits all the criteria. It is a Star Trek episode. Uh, Well, okay. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. (laughs) So... So what is the scientific, oh, sorry, what is the sci-fi element that is driving home all of these, all of the things that happen in this episode? Uh, Luoxana being an empath and her projecting her emotions onto other people and causing those feelings, however minute, to blow up on this person and have passionate feelings for a specific person. By the way, that's like the opposite of what an empath is. Oh, I know. Empaths are supposed to be able to read what you're feeling, not... Right project feelings into you right which we actually it's kind of interesting that we're doing an episode about another empath after watching the empath i know and both of episodes we're like eh, that's not what an empath is well it's like our random episode generator is messing with us <laughs> tying them well and without even basing it off the blurb it's like our random generator watched the episodes and was like oh this will be a good one <laughs> yeah. well yeah ai it's a thing now so I, I disagree. I don't think this is a I, I disagree with the the idea that that is the sci-fi element that is that is gluing this whole episode together in terms of it being a good Star Trek episode, because it's it's addressed in one line at the end of the episode that that handles everything. Right. It's not a, a, it's not a continuing thread from beginning to end. I mean, they all kind of do that thing where they start rubbing their temple like they have a headache like nobody does in real life. And and it it never. It only pays off with that one line that Bashir says when she's being examined. So that, in a way, is sort of the same thing as explaining something away in Technobabble and a singular line, which, which we've agreed is not a, a good resolution to, to make it a good Star Trek episode. Yes, I will agree that having the MacGuffin just Technobabbled away at the end, but this is, this is like... Um, interface where they gave the techno babble explaining why LaForge could not be removed, but they had led up to it at up to that point. And the same thing here, like it wasn't just these people were randomly acting crazy. And then he goes, Oh, it's a virus. There was a, if you went back and watched it, or if you were, you know, more perceptive, um, you would see every time she had like a, a minor flash, somebody else would react the same way, which is not what an empath does. Like if I have a headache, the empath, or if, if the empath has a headache, I don't go, Oh, I have a headache too. Right. I, I, it, it was, seemed very loosely written and also, okay. So Loxana, Loxana Troy. Yep. LWO. I'm, ass- yep. 
<laughs> I'm I'm yeah, it's L W A X A N A. I'm assuming that she and Odo have been on screen together before. At least I hope so. <laughs> no, she, you remember her from TNG. That's just how affectionate oh, she is. No, I do. But but they they the way <laughs> actually she was fairly subdued uh, in comparison to her next gen appearances. But I, I felt that the way that they were talking that she knew Odo not just because she knew of Odo, but that they had some sort of history. Yes. Short answer. Yes. They have appeared in at least one other episode together. Okay. God, please only give me the short answers from here on out. Like (laughs) only short answers to these kinds of questions. Great. This podcast will be much shorter. (laughs) Oh God. Okay. So, so anyway, let me, let me start. First of all, I actually liked the performances in this episode. I thought they were all considering that it was all kind of a hammy episode. Even the music was pretty hammy. Yes. You know, and uh, with the exception of Avery Brooks, who happened to direct this episode, I don't know if you noticed. Uh, yeah. uh, I felt he was a little hammy as well, but everybody kind of nailed it. I mean, I, I guess I guess it's a thing with Star Trek. It's a paying of dues or a, a, a rite of passage that you have to have an episode where everybody gets hot for each other. And I, I'm assuming there's a TOS episode and I know that there's a next gen episode. I don't know if there's a Voyager episode that does that. Well, are you talking about the TNG episode, The Naked Now? Yes, that's the one I'm talking about. Okay, that's that's a sequel to the TOS episode, The Naked Time. It's a sequel, or it's just sort of an homage to the same c- premise. Well, I believe it's the same virus, and they talk about when it happened previously on the Enterprise with Captain Kirk as the as the captain. Okay, and okay. that's well, what- that's the episode where Sulu goes crazy and takes his shirt off and starts sword fighting everybody. Right? Doesn't he do that every other episode? I feel like. <laughs> I feel like he does that a lot. There's a lot of fencing and Sulu going crazy or Chekhov going crazy. One of them has to go crazy. Well, yeah, crew member does go crazy. That's like, that's standard Star Trek. Let's start from the beginning, shall we? Yes. So it starts off and I actually was quite enamored with Jake in this opening scene between he and Cisco. And I was like, oh, I kind of like Jake. Like he's not trying so hard. Like you always felt like Wesley Crusher in terms of being the token kid on the show that they're just trying really hard to be actors on Star Trek, I guess. He just seemed very subdued and and, and subtle, and it was just kind of interesting to watch. It kind of turned into a, a shit show after that, like in terms of what the plot was, because I had no idea what the plot was going to be, obviously, because I read the blurb, right. and the blurb told us nothing. Right. Um, the blurb told us the cold open. Actually, yeah. not even the whole cold open. Like, there was still a twist at the end that we didn't get in the cold open <laughs> yeah, with the blurb. Well, they didn't, they didn't want to ruin it for everybody. <laughs> right. Speaking to that dialogue, like Cap- or Commander Sisko, his dialogue was clearly the exposition. Um, but speaking from a parent's perspective, he he read his line as if it was exposition. It was it was a little bit too um, here you go audience. But I've had yeah. conversations like that with my children where I am reiterating everything that you know they they I, I'm like hey you've got to finish your homework because it's due tomorrow. You have a test the next day. You know, and it's like, well, I'm not telling you, I'm telling her viewing audience. His his dialogue, what he was supposed to say was something that a parent would say to their child. It just bothered me that the way he said it was like, I'm setting up the premise for this episode so you know what's happening. Yeah, I mean, they bounce back and forth with the with the expositional dialogue uh, between O'Brien and the doctor in that next scene where they're talking about sports again. Well, and I don't know if other Star Trek episode or Star Trek series does this but i so far ds9 seems to do a really good job of blending the a plot and the b plot in the cold open 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, there really isn't a B plot um, because it, it felt like it was all the same plot. Just just the different characters were participating with it. Well, except that Keiko and O'Brien never got afflicted by Luoxana's emotion spray. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. It's just, I mean, and it just feels like yeah, that everything yeah. was wrapped around the gratitude festival. So it did seem like it was one plot. But I think that also um, is a testament to the writers being able to very seamlessly segue from the A plot to the B plot and have it not feel as jarring as it can. <laughs> like when you're playing darts and having a civil war on their hands. <laughs> yeah. And I, it did. I mean, it was written in such a way where it flows much better. I think that's because all of the either if we're going to consider the O'Brien storyline, the B plot, it, it flows and they flow into each other very well. Right. That's probably because, as you said, it's all centered around this festival that nobody's ever heard of until this episode. Yet all of the characters know it very well. Yeah. That's the problem. That's why you have that. That's why you have that kind of expositional dialogue, because they have to make it seem like. Everybody knows what the hell is going on, even though this is the first time the audience is ever hearing about it. Right. Well, and it's funny, too, being season three and it being the third time that Dax and Kira have worked on setting it up. Like, why? Like, just a throwaway mention, because it's not happening on the day that the the other episode is, you know, Peldor Joy is coming up or or the Gratitude Festival is coming up or like it just happened. And, you know, we like had to go burn our scrolls Um, or or like. It's something, it's a line that you can put in that adds just world building and continuity and foreshadowing and um, reference, but it doesn't have to impact the plot at all. You know, mm-hmm. like the the Andorran bulls that was brought up. Yeah. You, you caught that, did you? I did, I did. <laughs> just say bull, right? We get it. We get it, you're in space. We, we don't have to know that it's some other kind of bull. Okay, so... Odo and Kira talk about the festival in the cold open, right? And they're employing this trope that happens in every other rom-com movie and TV episode where somebody likes the other person and they obviously are trying to, they're trying to, to, to ask them out or to, you know, would you like to come to the movie with me? And they, so, and then the other person starts talking about their boyfriend and the person who is doing the asking out uh, gets disappointed and is obviously disappointed. Yet the other character is totally oblivious to their disappointment. And right, that whole yeah. scene, like it happens, like it's, I'm so bored with that scene. It just happens all the time. I mean, I don't know if this is because this is the 90s show and I've had it for 20 years to rest inside of my brain. No, I mean, it's still, it still happens. Um, I feel like how I met your mother downplayed it a little bit, but um, I, well, friends was also 90s. So maybe that's not a good example. Um I'm trying to think if there's anything on the air right now that is kind of a rom-com. It probably happens in movies more than it does in TV because now in TV, you know, people are murdering each other and that's, that's the rom-com uh, <laughs> setting. Is that, is that what I'm supposed to be getting? Is that, is that Kieran knows that Odo is into her and is just ignoring it or is she totally oblivious to him acting all weird? So I, again, I think at this point she is oblivious there was an episode where like he does confess her, his emotion, his feelings for her. And, um, and she's, she's like, you know, Oh, you're so funny. Or, right. um, you know, or if he just adores her from afar and everybody else knows, but she doesn't. Well, he obviously likes her. Right. That's, I mean, they, they, they made that very clear. Yes. <laughs> Which again, Although you know, they were, they were so yeah. subtle about. Yeah. And, and, but yet 
the 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 character has no idea what's going on. At least that's what we're, I think we're supposed to believe. Right. So one of the, one of the other things that I wanted to say, uh, the when the shuttle lands, and O'Brien and Kira are the only ones waiting for people to get off the shuttle, and there are <laughs> other people who are getting off the shuttle. <laughs> It was, well, but there's only three people that come off the shuttle. Right? No, there were a couple of people who walked past them as oh. Keiko and uh, Burial came came off the shuttle. There there were a couple of shoulders, and O'Brien kind of just did a brief acknowledgement of them as they went by. So I was like, "There's no, there's no other relatives. Like, no, nobody's trying to. <laughs> nobody, nobody cares. <laughs> right? I'll nobody just see cares. you when you get to the my, yeah. my quarters. Yeah. It's fine. Exactly. So okay. So in that scene. Kira and the sexy Bajoran of the week make out and then they leave. And then, and then for some reason, uh, O'Brien is somehow some, for some reason fixated on them. And I don't know if that's because it's sort of getting them going, you know, like seeing, seeing somebody else make out is like, all right, like that's, that's what I want to do in a minute when my wife comes out and then the wife comes out and there had, she had a terrible trip and she's like a terrible time. It was the worst trip ever. And, and then, uh, Loxana comes out and I was like, oh, that's why it was a bad trip because Loxana was talking her ear off, uh-huh. right? That kind of thing. Right. Which which does not pay off at all. I realized that the the episode ended on the conflict. Like it, it wasn't just a reveal of the guest character, which, you know, was nice. It's always fun when like that person shows up. You're like, oh my gosh, it's them. But she was the conflict that had to be resolved. And usually cold opens will end on the conflict. And it was a very subtle way of actually ending on the conflict while still showing the guest star. Right. But it, it, it was kind of a head fake because in terms of, at least for me, whenever Loxana is on the show, it's going to be some kind of, you know, her sticking her nose where it's, it doesn't belong and which happens obviously, but that's not the plot. It's not about, her. she's actually quite subdued, like I said before. Mm. And, and so it's not exact. I mean, it is in retrospect that it's the a plot the ending with the a plot, right. but only in retrospect, because I'm thinking, oh, the O'Brien, something's going on with O'Brien and his wife, right? Because they 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 meet up and he's kind of disappointed that she's not happy to see him, and you know his kid throws up all over him. It's just not a great reunion, but but you're right. Good call. Thanks. Um. So so anyway, so the the episode is basically a Midsummer Night's Dream in Star Trek form. So she's going around causing people to fall in love with the wrong people. Um, and Kira's in love with Burrell, who's in love with Dax, who's in love with Cisco, who's not affected, but his son is in love with Kira. And right. then the doctor goes down to see somebody at sick bay for some reason. And he goes down with Kira. And when they get there, they start macking on each other. It was a weird thing to make Jake be hot for Kira for me. It's just a strange, okay. But first of all, <sighs> He's wearing the future, like the space equivalent of a Cosby sweater. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, he was. And yeah. And it seemed like episode. there was a bit of like a pattern difference to re- represent a tie at the top. I was like, is he wearing a tie? Is that a tie? <laughs> well, if it was a tie, it was imprinted onto the shirt. Right. Which, how, how have I not thought of that? Like, why? nobody cares, right? They're just gonna be like, oh, it must be a very slim tie that he's wearing. Not knowing that it's just a picture of a tie on my shirt. <laughs> so, okay. So he... He brings Kira. He's already fallen in love with Kira at this point. Yes. He brings Kira what looks to be what I thought was like some sort of food on a stick. Right. And he has his own. Yep. 
and it's either like ice cream or something. But then he just like they sit down and then he just sets it on the table next to him. <laughs> like he's like, I'm not going to eat this. Neither are you. Is it actually food? I assumed it was food and I thought it was hilarious. I didn't see them set it on the table next to him. I saw him throw it on the ground to the side. <laughs> he was like, I bought this just to talk to you. I don't care. <laughs> And she doesn't do anything. First of all, it's huge. Right, she holds it too, and she's just... Yeah, whatever it is, one person cannot eat this. Like, if it's ice cream or meat or or whatever, like, no per- no person's stomach is big enough for this. So what the hell is it? Is it just a token? Here's a token. Like a, It's like a dreidel. <laughs> right. a gigantic dreidel. Here you go. I have one too. It's some strange Bajoran game. I, I could not tell you what it is or how it works. This is when you make something up, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, it's actually, uh, I said it was a, a, it was a Bajoran game that, oh yeah. Oh, oh, I thought you weren't making that up, but you were making, oh, good job. You didn't even need prompting for me to make something up Yeah, no, 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 that's right off the top, off the cuff. There you go. Great. Excellent. Yeah. Take that part out. So it does sound like I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) No chance in hell. Um, no, I actually, I I mean, I, I, I did, I looked up some random trivia on this one and they didn't really say anything like there's no. That's the problem. Like, they're the random things that are for the other cultures and the other races. Like, there's no there's no trivia about those things. It's not like this prop was intended to be. Right. Yeah. You know. I mean, there wasn't much going on in this episode in terms of, like, like, space stuff. I mean, this could have taken place anywhere, you know. It's not, a, it doesn't need aliens or anything like that. So, I mean, I can't imagine there being much. Not for the setting, much, but it, it did need the yeah. alien for the conflict. But you could have explained it as it was some sort of human virus, right? Oh, they had been infected with some sort of flu, and it wouldn't have mattered. It, I mean, it doesn't matter. They talk about that. It's not like they set up the virus for three seasons, and finally they, they're paying off the virus or whatever it was. It was a, as you said, a MacGuffin. It was a way for them to all be hot for each other. Yeah, no, it definitely was a, a MacGuffin, but it was a, it was a sci-fi MacGuffin that was explained at the end, and it was teased at throughout the episode. So it wasn't just why is everybody acting this way? Um, you know, oh, it's something in the ventilation system, like when it had never been presented before that. Right. Okay. I mean, I, maybe by the end of this episode, you will have changed my mind. And we'll see. I was sort of waiting. For something nefarious to be going on, like they're they're trying to distract the crew so they can rob something or steal something or, you know, there the, the, were villains about right. pulling these strings and that didn't happen. Yeah, no, obviously. Yeah, there wasn't. Uh, it was it was just a it was just a, a fluff episode. Um, like like I said at the beginning, I like I think it was a cheesy, fun episode, but it was legit Star Trek. One of the things that I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to mention was Odo conducting the band <laughs> well when i saw that happening i was gonna say that's that's a weird thing he wouldn't do that and i was like oh maybe he's under some sort of spell because i think at this point people started acting weird and so whatever was affecting everybody else i figured was affecting him too and that's not what happened no no he was just the no. drunk guy at the party who stands too close to the band and pretends that he can <laughs> take ownership yeah yep yeah, exactly <laughs> The one thing that went completely unexplored that I felt like could have been some kind of Star Trekian element was that Loxana says she can't read Odo's mind. That's really cool because he's obviously a person with a conscience and emotions, right? Mm-hmm. He's not he's not like Data. Right. He's a he's a living being, although Data was living as well. Yeah. Well, that's not that. that's not yep. here nor there. Yeah. Uh so 
I wanted them to talk about that. Like, why not? Right. Why, why not? Why, why can't Loxana, why can't they read Oda's mind? And he's not a humanoid. So there's that aspect. Although Troy in Next Gen was able to read the minds and emotions of non-humanoid beings. Oh, that's true. And she was only half. So I think Loxana is full, whatever they call those. Betazoid. What, what's, yeah. Betazoid, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I was like, I was like disappointed that they didn't go further into that and just to explore it just a little bit, you know, right. just, just give me something, give me a little exchange where they talk about it. I, right. didn't, get, I didn't get anything, nothing. Zero. Well, and I, I think that is something that was, was covered previously. And I think that's part of her fascination with him. Like, I think that they did yeah. talk about it, but he was just like, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's a moment where where Jake is running around trying to find Kira. Yeah. Where he's running through the promenade and then he kind of slows down and turns a corner and then Cisco grabs him aggressively and says, "Hey, slow down." And I was like, "Whoa, what's going on here? Did you notice this?" No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Go back and watch it. It's really it's obvious he was given the direction that you have to stop your son, he's going crazy, right? That's right. the direction for Avery Brooks. Yeah. Or that was the direction he gave to himself. <laughs> But the the action that Jake was doing, like he wasn't running at this point. He had slowed down to turn a corner and they just didn't meet up in terms of energy because like he had stopped and saw his dad. And then Cisco grabs him and just like starts shaking him by the, by the shoulders. It's like, slow down. You almost knocked me over. There's actually a lot of sexual harassment in this. I feel like this, this episode cannot exist anywhere else than when it was made. Because everybody's rubbing up on each other when they don't like want it, and they're kissing on each other when it's like obviously not not something that anybody's interested in. Right. Yeah, I think after the Me Too movement, a lot of TV shows that had this kind of episode um, would they they just can't happen. But I, I no. you know, like um, I Dream of Jeannie. Um, there, there's so many, there's so many TV shows that have an episode like this where somebody has the magical crush for all intents and purposes on another and they love up on them in, in a way, you know, where they are physically literally hanging off them and the other person is trying to manipulate their way out of their arms. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me uncomfortable at this point. Well, and it's funny too, because, um, the, this episode I feel was actually the, the scene where they were being genuinely affectionate, Kira and Boral, was the scene that I was the most uncomfortable with having my daughters watch with me. Um, yeah, because they were obviously about to have sex. Right. And then she's just and, like, until, I'm out of here. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, well, I'll to talk, talk to you later. Okay. Yeah, it was very it was very impolite of her to leave in that moment, in my opinion. <laughs> Well, it was just, it was was so weird for her to lay down in that way, let him lay down on her in that way, have this conversation. (laughs) And then she's like, yeah, I'm leaving. And he's like, what? Like, he's like, yeah, he's, he's legitimately upset about the the turn of events. She's like, nope, got to go work on the thing, but I'll talk to you guys later. Right. Like it was, I mean, you know, so to, to speak to that for a second, like obviously women are allowed to say no at any time. But there was so much that was set up in that moment, the, the fact that they're dating, the fact that they haven't seen each other for however long, the fact that they only had two days, the fact that it was a gratitude festival where it's all supposed to be about joy, the fact that she lays down in that way, the fact that she lets him lay down on top of her. And then he, she, and then like, it's not even, I don't want to do this right now. It's like, 
oh, I have this thing that I've got yeah. to go do. And like it was part of the plan. She wasn't called away. Right. Somebody didn't call her on the, on the comm or something. And was like, we need your help right away. Like it was, she just decided there would be no sex in this moment. I think, I think it was, I think she was maybe building up to the sex that she was planning on having later in the promenade, right there in the promenade. <laughs> like she didn't want to have it behind closed doors. She had a whole plan about doing it behind a ledge. So it's it's not a it's not a gratitude festival so much as a it's a sex fest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, an F fest. What? An an F fest. An F fest. I, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say the F word. I feel like that's that's not us. <laughs> Although you have already. But it would be. It would be. It would be. I know. <laughs> but <laughs> just go for it, Paul. There's no children around <laughs> no, you. I no, I'm not doing it. All right. I'm not going to do it just because you said so. Okay. Um. So. Anyway, so everybody's being all mopey because the person that they have feelings for doesn't have feelings for them and is like super irritated that they're they're trying to do anything with them. Yeah. So <laughs> speaking of when everybody's moping around. So there's a point in the showdown at the dinner in Cisco's room, you know, when everybody's together. Yeah. Yeah. And where it all leads. To and the big so yeah. so O'Brien O'Brien is sitting in the corner and then Jake kind of meanders over and he's he, O'Brien's upset because he had a fight with Keiko. So he's kind of dejected. And then. Jake walks over and he's dejected and he sits down next to him. And I so wanted them to just start making out too. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's the wrong era. I know, but, but it would have punctuated the whole thing. So great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's amazing how much the Ferengi's ears are like the Nards. Like, you know, you, you gently caress them and you're basically stroking them off and you squeeze them and you're essentially crunching their nuts well okay so all Ferengi's ears are pierced so that's like yeah so that's like getting wait are they the junk yeah i mean it looks i mean there's there's like metal hanging from it i'm assuming it's is it a clamp whether it's a clamp or or yeah for for this episode it was a clamp because he was he was celebrating the bajoran gratitude festival so he had crap on there right but i mean first of all wouldn't they have developed as a species sophisticated helmets to protect them i mean we don't walk out with our balls out you know what i mean like like it's like you protect that stuff you know like do they have like a cup version for their heads if that if that really is the erogenous zone that they make it out to be well i mean they they kind of do like think about the first episode where they where where the frangie are introduced where they have that like the the metal protector on the back of their head you know what i'm talking about yes yeah yeah i know what you're talking about but that's like the equivalent of like going out with your balls resting on a platform so somebody, if they hit it, like there's no recoil, it just gets smashed. <laughs> there's no give. Right. Involved. Yeah. Yeah. You're in between some balls and a hard place. <laughs> yeah. So no, that's, that's not a, that's not a good system at all. That's one of those uncomfortable Star Trek things where, although I, pr- I appreciate that it's a difference in, uh, you know, it's like a science fiction element, you right. could say. That oh, their erogenous zone is in another place, mm-hmm. right? Uh, One for the Cardassians, the fact, their neck. Is it? Well, based on the I, episode with um, with Quark and his girlfriend. Oh right, she starts doing that. Yeah. Oh yeah, another uncomfortable thing. Why does it always have to be like kind of casual stroking? Like it's not, and they're always like into it. They're like immediately into it. Right. It's casual. Right? It's casual stroking, and the person. I mean, they're they're basically yeah, getting stroked in public. <laughs> It's a stroke fest. <laughs> right. An S fest. 
Oh, so O'Brien gets like super irritated and storms off after Keiko leaves the table and um and Quirk starts doing the bartender thing of, you know, telling him some other random either problem or situation and it convinces O'Brien that he actually does have it really good and uh-huh. you know, he, he makes the choice to to resign from Starfleet. Um and I couldn't tell, like, because Quark didn't smirk at all at the end. He gave a wide-eyed expression of, like, you know, what a weirdo. I couldn't tell if he was secretly sort of giving him the answer, secretly therapizing with him right. to, to to lead him in the right direction, or if he was truly as uninterested as he was pretending to be. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. I don't know either. Okay. It's unclear. Yeah. Okay. Well, glad, glad we're both confused on that. <laughs> well, because later... Um, well, the same thing happened with Bashir. Bashir was way too interested in O'Brien getting to have sex with Keiko when he finally when she finally came to the to the station. There was that weird look that he gave him when when O'Brien's like, "We have to make the most out of these next two days," and and Bashir basically gives him the wink, wink, nod, nod thing, like, right? Yeah, and like like as though he wanted details afterward or wanted to be there, right? Like I don't know. Well, it, it was weird. It was yeah. I mean, it was kind of like a. Well, you'd better, you know, like he said, my elbow can't can't handle it, um, which could mean many different things. Right. right. <laughs> I'm, I'm super tired of <sighs> helping a friend out. Yeah. This is my circle, jerk. <laughs> oh, um, you brought it around full circle. No, <laughs> no, didn't work. No, that was a little bit of a reach around. Yeah. Oh. Uh, um, so the la- the last thing that I wanted to say just about all of the like the romance and macking on each other was all of the kisses were so bad. Yeah, like the- the- zero chemistry. Right. Well, Nothing. and it was yeah, it was literally just face mashing. Like there wasn't even an attempt to kiss. Like especially Bashir and Kira at the end where they're like pawing all over each other, and it didn't feel natural. I mean, I- obviously those two people could give yeah in real life gave zero shits about each other right. in, th- in that way yeah and that was part of why i didn't really have a problem with my girls watching it because it was so ridiculously over the top and right. like how they were yeah. you know just there there wasn't any sensual body rubbing it was like they were trying to rub the lotion into the skin like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I liked that it was, you know, it was a virus that she was spreading. It, it only happens to betazoids and they, you know, older betazoids. I mean, she's basically having menopause um, and every hot flash she got, like it, pro- it projected onto someone else. Which is the first time that I know of, of an empath projecting something into somebody else. Well, and I think that was kind of the point. Like they, you know, they are, they are able to share emotions with each other. Like they can, they can actively share thoughts and emotions. Um, and the, uh, the older betazoids can't control it when they have those hot flashes. Right. But, but it's never been established in any uh, show where, where a betazoid was able to make somebody feel something, especially against their will. Right. Otherwise she would have been having sex with Picard every single time she came onto the enterprise. I mean, well, but it could also be something that is uh, considered a major taboo in their, in their culture. Does Loxana Troy strike you as someone who follows taboo, either the game or the actual faux pas, the social faux pas? Oh, I think she'd be a big fan of taboo, the game. (laughs) Well, who isn't? (laughs) It's just classic family fun. Um, (laughs) This episode has been sponsored by Mattel Bradley. Um, (laughs) 
You can buy it at any Starbucks for $239. Um, no, I think, but I mean, there, there are some things like, like in society, you know, in our society, like you, you just don't drop the F bomb in public. Like it's, you know, even, even if you're, you don't care about society's rules and norms and that kind of thing. Like, you you don't actively just shout the f word in a Starbucks. But even still, she just strikes me as totally irreverent and somebody who just wouldn't give a shit. And also, she had the hots for Picard, right? Absolutely. So I could see her in in her own in her own way, like behind closed doors, just trying it out, see what happens. You know? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, maybe it is one of those things where like Betazoids can tell, and having a be- having having a be- not only a Betazoid but her daughter on the ship. If she tries to project a mo- like to get Picard to want to bone her, right. you know, right. Deanna would come along and be like, oh, that's not even by your choice, mother. Um, <laughs> also, potentially an act of war to take over the mind of a the captain, the of Enterprise's the captain. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Probably not a great idea. It was just for me, it was just too much out of nowhere. Right. The virus thing, the you can project other things onto other people, onto other species thing. It just it was too convenient. I mean, I, it could have been way more, cre- again, with the creative thing. It, maybe it's not so much that it doesn't follow their criteria, but that it just seems very uncreative the way that they did it. I mean, you could come up with a million different ways to make this to make this work, right? That, that could be very, that where you have a little tiny little B-plot that you just kind of seed throughout the episode, that it's something technological, or they're passing through some kind of space, or the wormhole is farting or who knows something right that isn't just a singular line at the end of the episode oh it's a virus the end roll the credits right but i do feel like there are other episodes where the the problem is sprinkled throughout and there are clues to it and then they they explain it away in one in one line but it's just you know it's either techno babble or it's it's something like this but they've they've set it up throughout the episode that it's fine that they don't really explain it until uh, like the, the episode where, um, where everybody's disappearing off the ship and you, you know, you can't figure it out until crushers at the very end. And she figures out that she needs to jump through that wormhole. Like that's such a rad episode. Why can't we get that episode? (laughs) Now that you said that episode, we're never going to get it. (laughs) Thank you. Sure. Glad I could help or we'll get it next week. Um, but you know, the, just people are randomly disappearing and everybody's freaking. Well, nobody's freaking out about it because crusher's the only one who remembers them. Um, and it's it's a captivating episode. It's very well written, but it's not explained until the very end. And this episode followed that same formula, and it had a disease that projected emotions. Yes, in that sense, you are right that they the the skeleton of the premise might be kind of the same in terms of the skeleton or the the structure. But which one would you rather watch again? Well, right, but I'm not saying which one is the better Star Trek episode. I'm saying, is this episode a Star Trek episode? And I would say yes. I think this episode Can was... Can I just abstain? I think <laughs> I want to just abstain from voting. That's fine. It's one to zero. We, we I win. <laughs> no, I don't count. It's just one to nothing. Like, not right. nothing, nothing, but like like null. Okay. It's just one. So just one. Unanimously, we agree on those who... Everyone who voted said that this is a Star Trek episode. It's a cheesy... It's it's a bottle episode. It's a park your brain. Like you just you enjoy the episode for what it is. It's not it's not emotionally moving, but the B plot moved the character forward, and the A plot had a sci fi conflict with a non sci fi resolution. Just wait out the virus. 
I feel like we're setting the bar much too low. And I feel like you have an ulterior motive of wanting to, to designate Deep Space Nine. You don't want to eliminate Deep Space Nine entirely from, from this. And so you're, you're, you're grasping at straws, whatever that means. See, I don't think so. I think that this is a sandbox where, by and large, it was a political show, but every once in a while they had genuine Star Trek episodes, and some of them were they better had, than others. They had fuck fests every <laughs> right. once in a while. With the obligatory Star Trek rape, <laughs> automatically makes it a Star Trek episode. Right. All right. I, I don't know if I can totally agree. I'm going to abstain from either yay or nay, but I, you have, you have partially convinced me that yes. No, I mean, you're, you're saying we set the bar so low and yet only two out of nine episodes now three out of 10, cause this is our 10th episode, uh, three out of, well, I guess three out of nine. So a third of the episodes so far have justified being an actual Star Trek episode. And our bar is set so low that only three <laughs> Our random episode generator has also become sentient and also an yes. asshole. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got a lot to go. And we've only had one next gen episode. Yeah. Which And three DS9 episodes. <laughs> well, get ready for the fourth, because I'm sure I'm sure the random episode generator is listening. Yeah. Right All right, so let's see what we got. Yes. What is it? Voyager. <laughs> Season two, episode twenty. Original air date, March 13th, 1996. Investigations. Paris leaves Voyager and joins a Talaxian space convoy. Neelix helps smoke out the crew member who has been passing Federation secrets to the Kazon. So right there, they're giving us the A plot and the B plot in the blurb. How about that? Yeah, that's That's probably the, the best episode. blurb we've had. Yeah, so far, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. I remember nothing. I know that Paris occasionally goes on adventures by himself. Yes. Or I'm just remembering this one and thinking that he does this all the time. Right. Because uh, he watched it over and over. It's your favorite one. Right. And and boy, am I excited that Neelix is going to be the the lead of the B-plot. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe we don't know. Yeah. But Only probably. one way to find out. Let's go watch it. Yes. Yes. <laughs>